and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. My name's Mike Burge, and I host this show. And today is a very special episode. We are finishing out our Christopher Nolan series uh, alongside the Bat Boys over at Batarang, who are doing the all the Batman movies. Just went through Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. So over here on Overdrinkers, we were doing uh, Christopher Nolan's other three movies that he made, kind of one for one for you, one for me, kind of thing. Did the Prestige. We did Inception. And today we are doing the 2014 film sci-fi romantic comedy Interstellar, uh, which I think I've talked about previously about like how the first time I saw The Prestige, I didn't like it. Then when I revisited a couple years later, loved it. First time I saw Inception, didn't like it. Revisited a couple years later, liked it. And with Interstellar, this was the first time that, like, I went and saw it, didn't like it when I saw it, and now I've come back and I've revisited it again. I've aged, much like many of the characters in this movie. Yes. And I've gotten a little bit better. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to talk about it because I did have a really fun time watching okay. this this time. Uh, but before we go any further, let me introduce who I'm with. Uh, we have a very, very special guest with us today. Uh, first time in front of the mic, but definitely not the first time listening to things that people are saying on this podcast, right? Big, big listener, yeah. Avid listener, um, Mr. Tim Irwin. Hello. Uh, yes, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to uh, finally make my podcast debut. This is your first podcast ever? That I've done, That yeah. you've done? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How does it feel? It's cool. How I'm... many podcasts do you think you listen to a week? Oh, man, that's tough because I work 37 and a half hours and I don't have enough for a whole week, but it's close because I, I definitely have some days where I can listen all day. Mm -hmm. so, so a lot. A lot, yeah. Uh -huh. And now this is what it feels like. Yeah. Now this is it. Mic. Our little ragtag setup that we have yeah. for what it is. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, on Overdrinkers, uh, the whole point is we are discussing a film over drinks and we've got a really, really fun themed one that uh, was... Um, I guess it was kind of uh, procured by you yeah. in a way. Like, uh, so what what is it we're drinking here? Well, so we are drinking. Um, we are going full corn on this full episode, corn, of course, uh, because Interstellar is all about corn. Uh, That's what the movie yeah. is literally yeah, it's about. All corn. It's all about yeah. corn. Um, and so it is uh, some corn whiskey moonshine, and it is chicha morada, which is basically Kool Aid. But they make it out of corn instead. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have some delicious, crisp San Pellegrino in there to let it all wipe down. Just to it you. Up. Cheers. There we go. We got our little wormhole. Yeah. Black hole. Uh, glasses. Funky ceramic mugs. It's not bad, actually. I was really yeah. afraid of this one. I was too. I was one of those. I had the idea, and I was like, "This is a great idea," but it's also Can a terrible disgusting, idea. But yeah, this is actually right. like it's literally it's, just like kind of Kool Aid. Yeah, it's very drinkable. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of into With it. Like a little bit of tequila flavor too, because yeah. the corn moonshine had like a tequila yeah. smell to it, where yeah. it's like a hundred proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's good. And we also uh, before this uh, had you we had some dinner and we ate some. Uh, uh, corn tortilla tacos. Yeah. And commit to your bit. Listen All to corn. corn. Yeah, we listen to corn while discussing uh, Children of the Corn, Three Urban Harvest. Uh, my feet hurt because I have corns. Corns talking about candy corn because Halloween just passed. Uh, candy corn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
You remember Corn, the band, the K? Yeah. It was spelled with a K, yeah. but the K was also was, backwards. Yeah, backwards, yeah. Genius design with that. They knew exactly what they needed to they do. They had that bullet video where the bullet just went through all those different things. Is that a uh, Freak on a Leash? Yes, it is. That's uh, a... Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so, this episode we're talking about Interstellar. And Corn. Yeah. And Corn. Uh, Interstellar 2014 movie... Christopher Nolan directed it, wrote it with his bro, mm-hmm. John. Uh, it stars Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. Michael Korn. Michael Korn. Uh, it's got a fun appearance by Matt Korn Damon. Matt Kornman. Matt Kornman. Okay. Mm. Uh, Anne Korn. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. Good. Uh, Wes Cornley. Yep. Who else? Jessica Corntain? That's a stretch. Uh, Jessica Corn Chastain. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Corse- Corn C. Affleck. Ooh, that one. Yeah, I, okay. like, I like that one the best. Okay. Actually, yeah. uh, and also a lot of real corn. Yes, there are fields of it. Um, uh, Interstellar is about. Space and travel, uh, the world, it takes place about 50 years from where we are right now or so, 50? something I like that. I was trying to place it. It takes place in like 2050, 2060, something like that. Because the cars are all relatively, like, now. Even like uh, clothes. Yeah. Everybody's kind of still doing the same thing. Right, but the, the, they have advanced robots. Advanced robots. And advanced other things we can get to, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like uh, near future, yeah, relatively near future, where like uh, the Earth has like run out of a bunch of shit. They can't make certain crops there's anymore. A, they there's can, a blight. There's a blight. Okra and corn are really kind of like the only thing you're getting, and okra's on its way out. Yep. Uh, corn will soon follow, and so they're trying to. Scientists are trying to figure out a way. We gotta, we gotta get off Earth. What are we gonna do? So they discover a black hole, uh, and on the other side of that black hole are. Different planets that might be habitable. They send 13 scientists through. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, they're like, we've got all this stuff. It seems like three of them survive. Three of them uh, seem like habitable yeah, the places. Up. The thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to – we're going we're gonna to send a team through uh, with a bunch of eggs yeah. and people ready to be born and stuff. The alien covenant. Alien covenant stuff. Yeah. Um, we're going to send them through uh, while the scientists try and figure out how can we get everybody on Earth off of Earth. And if we can't do that and we fail, you've got those eggy yeah, wigs and eggs. you can yeah, and you can just it. do it over there. Plan A, plan B. Plan A, plan B. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey stars as the greatest pilot in the world. Yeah. But he's also very smart. He's an engineer. He's a trained astronaut. He's a trained engineer. He's yeah. trained. He respects education. Yes. He's got some kids that he's got to leave behind, unfortunately. Yeah. The whole plot eventually re- involves some skipping in time, which yeah. again is... Christopher the Nolan's thing. very literal of, of time play, I would say. Very much so. Yeah. I think I somebody I was talking to somebody the other day and they pointed out that he uh in this movie cuts to black to show the passage of time, which he's never done before. Oh. A very easy trick that people do all the time, huh. where it's just you cut to black and then it's like a couple days later, it just fades in. He's never done it before, and he does it in the beginning of this movie because the beginning of this movie is very um linear. Right. You know, it's kind of shot just right. like a this movie. The first shot is the There's, the crash, right? Uh wakes up from the crash. Wakes up from the crash. Yeah. Um but it, uh so Matthew McConaughey goes into space yep. 
with a bunch of other good-looking people yeah. and Wes Bentley. And sorry, Wes. He's really good looking. I just yeah, you can't man, right? you can't you pat can't him on the back. Him, right? You gotta give him knows. shit. He yeah. knows. Um, they go into space. Some make it. Some do not. Uh, they visit multiple planets. Some shit goes down, which yeah. we'll get to later. And in the end, it kind of ends in a uh, expository version of the final moments of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right, and you can't talk about this movie without talking about Space Odyssey. And you can't talk about it because that's exactly what this movie is. Right. Uh, It's been called 2001 A Space Odyssey for Idiots. Right, and if so, I'm a proud idiot. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. 2001 is fucking confusing. Yeah. uh, And that's just all it is. And it's kind of meant to be that. That's kind of half the point is that you have to ponder and think about it. Like, this is space and everything, Mm -hmm. so... But um, so that's generally the movie, and I asked you to be on this because you, we were trying to get you on one, and we found out that this will kind of like fall in line. And I had, I had gotten you know my buddy Cabot on Inception. You want mm-hmm. to talk about that? And I had gotten uh, Rob Bebe on uh, the Prestige because that's what me and him share a really deep right. love for that movie. So when I offered Interstellar to you, you curiously said yes. Yeah. So what 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 is it about Interstellar in particular that you like? I know I offered it to you and you said yes, but did you find anything like, oh, that's kind of interesting? Like, what's what's your story with Interstellar? Well, so, you know, especially listening to you guys, this is one that you guys sort of, or at least the other hosts, uh, kind of shit on a little bit, Interstellar. And I, it has a rap for being, like, the, the worst of the three. Would you say? I'd say it's, I mean... Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, like right, it's, right. I, I'd say it's kind of even with Inception. Right. And so people sort of take the piss out of Interstellar a little bit, but I was really struck by it the first time I saw it. Um, I saw it in IMAX twice, uh, and it, it's a great IMAX movie. It's like the sound is, is a lot. Like watching it again the other day on TV, was it was okay, but like when you saw it in the theaters, it was huge and just the sound was great, and I, I thought it was very striking. I mean, it's visual. I still remember when I went and saw it, it was visually mesmerizing when you see it. And that's one of those things where when this movie came out three years ago, I was a little bit of a different uh, movie viewer. And mm-hmm. like in the past couple of years, I've learned to try and like meet movies on their own terms right. and understand what this movie is. It's kind of like the idea of like, I've got movie mind and film mind, right, right. you know, and I can go, how is this operating as a movie that it's intending to be? And then in the grand scheme of all of film, how does this movie stack up? And usually sure. film is a little bit more critical, right. a little meaner in just in right. general. Yeah. And movie is kind of just like, is this movie, what kind of fun is this movie is this trying to give you? Yeah. And are you having that much fun? Right. And Interstellar visually hits right. all those marks. It right. looks great. It looks stunning. But, you know, I think that the main hit is not a whole lot of, story-wise. Sure. Not, not you know, and some weird things. Rewatching it, yeah, like the third act, you're sort of like, uh, okay, you know, you you kind of let it go. <laughs> That's a perfect sound bite for that. Yeah. Uh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Love. Uh huh. Right. Well, uh, I actually I like that a lot. Okay. Mainly, I was talking about how he like shows up and he's in like this really fucking weird like kaleidoscope space piano. Oh, you know, I kind of like that. It looks cool, but yeah. I remember the first time I saw it being like, "What the fuck <laughs> is this?" But then the second time I watched it, I was way more heavily invested. It's the same thing that happened with Inception and the Prestige. Mm-hmm. I knew vaguely where it was going because I'd seen it before a couple of years ago. Yeah. And this was just like, 
I knew where it was going and I knew it wasn't a total train wreck. So I like, I had a little bit more, I gave myself over to the movie a little bit more and I really, I enjoyed it more this time, but the, the story. Right. And you know, I like a space movie too, you know, Mm. and I think this is a very good looking space movie and you know, it's important to point out this comes out in between two really hard sci-fi movies too as well. And this is also a pretty hard sci-fi in terms of the tech. Yeah. Um, but you had Gravity in 2013, mm-hmm. which we saw. Uh, and that one was good, but I think we saw that in IMAX. Remember? We saw that Hold in... Hold on a second here. Gravity came out before Interstellar? Yeah. Gravity was 2013, Interstellar 2014, and then Matt Damon returns in The Martian, the Martian. in 2015. I remember that. Hold on a second. I have. A, I thought that the Martian was. I thought. Okay. I thought it was the Martian, Interstellar, Gravity. That is not true because no. Gravity came out before the Martian, and the Martian was after Interstellar. It was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Martian came out wow. in 2015. Gravity. Because that's. 13. I was talking no. to uh, Diana about how it's really weird that like when Matt Damon shows up. Mm. Uh, Spoiler alert. As Dr. Man. Yeah. And uh, he's essentially wearing the exact same suit that he wears in the... Okay, Okay. look, I get it. Color-wise, yes, he's wearing the orange suit. It's it's orange and white, and and the helmet looks vaguely familiar, and you're just kind of like... But I really like that, because Matt Damon is the kind of guy where he he is very self-aware of the star power that he has. And he uses it sometimes for laughs. In general, there's a movie that came out this year. I won't say what. That Matt Damon has an amazing cameo in it out of nowhere. And it kills. It slays. Um, But in this, like, Matt Damon wasn't advertised as being in this movie. They keep saying Dr. Man, but, like, they're pointing at a picture. The picture's out of focus. You can't see it. And they get down there and, like, they wake him up and you think he's dead. But then, no, it's Matt Damon. Right. And he's... I'm an asshole. He, you could see yeah. Matt Damon being this guy that's like, I'm at, I already have my movie where I was a good guy, a good scientist, and I went on this expedition and I didn't have a happy ending. Right. And now I am twisted because my morals never were completely what they were meant to be. It's like the guy in The Martian. He's a scientist, super smart guy, but instead of just like making uh, shit potatoes right. and like just like, uh, you know, making jokes to people that aren't there. Right. Uh, he's just kind of like, I'm going to, I mean, what is, he, he's essentially trying to get back to earth or what in the Martian in, no, in, oh, and, oh, and no, in stellar, he's kind no, of like, stellar, he, he just like, wants to get home at all costs. He's just like, eh, sorry, I gotta no, go. He's, no, he's not getting back to earth. He's saying earth is fucked and you guys knew and your dad knew Dr. He wants, Brand. he wants to be like the last human alive kind of thing. Is it? He wants to be the one who saves humanity, right. but not even Earth humanity. He wants to save humanity as a concept because he wants to be the one to go right. to the right planet and restart the human race. Mm-hmm. So basically, I guess he wants to be king of, of human. Mm-hmm. I think that was like yeah. I got that more this time. And the first time I had a, I had an I, I had a memory that his whole thing was he failed. He fucked up and mm-hmm. he didn't want to be remembered as that. So he was going to sabotage this mission, let everybody on Earth die and float around in space, and he would be the last right, human. Right. He'd be the last one that made it, and he would try and outlive Earth. Right. And that's what I thought was going on, but that's kind of a stretch. It's not right. really there. He definitely confronts 
a part of himself that he didn't realize. Like, he probably always went through thinking, I'm a cool astronaut guy. And mm-hmm. then he got to this shitty ice planet and was like, oh, no. He has like, serious reality. That he's yeah. got that line, he says, right. where he's like, I honestly never even considered that the right. planet I went to wouldn't right. be the one. Right. And he's just like, and what is it? He calls him a coward. And he's just like, yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes. Right. You're right. Like, I am. And he's just like, and I'm going to kill you now and <laughs> right. and I can't even listen to you I'm anymore sorry. like as he turns it off and as he's walking away I can't watch you I yeah. thought I could well, yeah, it's, it's a really line, good though. performance right. from Matt Damon and it's like it, it's really odd the the juxtaposition of like him and the Martian and him right. in this movie and for some reason I'll always think of like the Martian first right because it's kind of like the Martian is is the good version of that character, right? You're saying, yeah, which I love the Martian as well yeah. too. I think that was a very fun movie. And the only, I only picked Bones about the spacesuits because the spacesuits and the Martians mm-hmm. are like the best spacesuits ever. They're great. Yeah, they're they're, they're like. Awesome. Uh, I remember when Prometheus came out, and I was like, "Those are some pretty sick looking right, spacesuits." Right. And then Interstellar and everybody else were kind of like, "Well, what if we just like made them more realistic? Right? You know, like skin tight isn't right. really works for Numi Rapace." And fake Tom Hardy. Right, true. Uh, but it doesn't really... Uh... Logan Marshall Green is his right. name, too. I wanted to be nice to him because okay. I really like him. He was, uh, he was the older brother in The O.C. Season 2. Okay. Ooh, what you say? That's, that one's for our O.C. fans. Okay. Someone She's somewhere just heard that yeah. and cracked up. Um, I mean, these spacesuits are good, too, but there are a couple of scenes when they're fighting on the ice planet that they look a bit like jammies. Like, yeah. still, like from the waist down, you're like, there's nothing on the legs. You guys didn't put anything on the legs. Yeah, it's like when you're dealing with like a onesie kind of situation right. like that, just how the angle that you get it, right. you're kind of like, are you wearing, is that like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I love too, and he's there's, he's smashing the helmets together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's a 50% chance right. that you're going right. to kill yourself first. And he's like, it's the best odds I've had in years. Yeah, that's a great line. Great line. Like, yeah. there's there's good stuff in this. There's great lines. There's also terrible lines. <laughs> like, the, when when he goes, uh, uh, when they're trying to dock the spaceships, and he says, uh, Tars goes, that's not possible. Or, that's impossible. And Matt Damon goes, it is it is impossible. It's necessary. It's necessary. <laughs> like, this is that is a really cool part of that movie, too. And, yeah, that's Out of all, like, the setup incredible. and everything and how it's... How they get there and how they execute it, there is a, there is silliness seeping at the core of everything in that scene. But it's so cool. It right. looks cool. The music is yeah. perfect. And you're just like, this yeah. is great. I, you honestly don't know yeah. if they're going to be able to do it or if this is going to like lead to the next mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I do love it. Like the ending of this movie is a lot of fun. Yeah, and the beginning of this movie too. Like the first forty-five minutes, the world building yeah, in this set movie it up. Are, is also amazing. Yeah. So it's like he's, uh, and that's the the first part of this movie is what really brings up the whole idea of like the the love thing. That's eventually what bring it back happens where it's like lo- like time and gravity are these kind of, uh, uh, I guess the only things that can kind of operate within and around time. Like right. she says something along the lines, of, like if you get into like, you know, are you familiar with like a theory of relativity and stuff right. like that, like space time. And so it's kind of the idea that uh, space time exists in a way where it can kind of go all of that. This movie is presenting the idea that time and gravity can be used to like kind of go all over the place right. in the sense of like how, 
like space and time, the idea that space is like you can uh, – here I am, Mike Burge, human being, and the space around me, I have full access to it. Right. You know, I can reach around and I can touch things and all that stuff. You exist inside of it. I exist inside of it and I have access to it, you know, at all times. I can move around. I can change it and I can, I can go up. I can go down side to side, spin around. Right. Time, though, I'm constantly in the present. Right. I can't go to the past. I can't go to the future. I'm constantly in the right now. Right. You're on the track of time. Exactly. Yeah. You, and you, you can't you can't get off of it and you can't go back. Uh, and you, like, uh, you can't speed up. Yes, where you, you have no control. You around in space on the track in time. Yes. Yeah. And so this kind of, uh, you know, this movie postulates the idea that you could use gravity as a way to be able to... Uh, go back interact with interact time. with all of time yeah. all at once right. and this is presented in the ending with uh the tesseract uh, the tesseract they go into the black hole and once matthew mcconaughey is in there he's commit to the bit yeah uh once he's in there he uh he sees that they've constructed they capital t yeah they've constructed a um bedroom pretty much like a th- like a 3d version for him to be able to understand because right. they're like they're fe- they're like time they multi-dimensional yeah they yeah. dumbed it down for him kind of like how this movie dumbs down 2001 a space right Odyssey, yes. you know? yeah, yeah exactly yeah that's pretty much what christopher nolan does with right too. he takes high concepts makes them applicable through action and genre for audiences to be able to understand it right because him going into that wormhole at the end is so much like uh, the astronaut in a space odyssey going into that wormhole at the end. Like, it's oh, like this, is it? I mean, I didn't even consider that. Well, like, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, like, it's the exact same. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Minus the uh, the seventies, like red, right. yellow, blue, right, right, green, exactly. red, yeah. Just, green. Yeah, upped it until like sparks mm-hmm. and, and Matthew McConaughey going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's cold. Yes, I'd imagine he's cold and scared. Yeah, uh, and that what the the robots are also squares, which I don't think was intentional. But did you think about that? Like you know, like they're squares, like they're like, they're, they're rectangles, just mm-hmm. like the obelisk. Which I don't think was intentional, but it is when you make a space odyssey two. Like yeah. maybe the robots should not be obelisks. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I, the movie's been around for almost four years, and I never considered that until you just mentioned it. But yeah, now I can't unsee that. But they also don't—they don't act like the obelisk or no. anything, you know. And they're... I really like that. There's no like twist where the AIs are right. like, "We're gonna try and kill right. you now." And he gets that out of the way early, where Tars goes like, "Oh, haha, it'll be fun when I blow you out of the airlock," and then mm-hmm. that's about humor percentage at seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the best running gags. Yeah, where like uh, at the end when he fixes him, he's like, "Are you, are you everything good? Uh, everything good in there?" Yeah. And he's like, "You've got it. Self destruct in five, right, four. Right. And he's like, "Bring that humor down to sixty five. It's like that's a that's a really good running gag there. Right. Well, the robots in general are are they're great. They're great characters. Yeah. Who's that? Is it? It's Bill Irwin. Is his name? No relation. Yeah, Bill Irwin, who was in. That show Legion that I was talking about oh, that you okay. haven't seen yet, and he's amazing in it. He was he's like a like a like a performance clown kind of dude. Okay, he used to like do, he used to have like a like a running show where he had like a a two man show where like they played like silent clowns. Oh, and they would just do all this fun stuff. Uh, Diana knows way more about him too because she showed me the video, and there's this great mm-hmm. video of like the Late Show or something where they come out on stage and they do this performance with a trunk and them like getting in and out of a trunk. And it's great. It's amazing. 
Uh, but his him like his voice in it is absolutely perfect because yeah. it's like this idea of like it kind of sounds robotic in the way that Siri sounds like, robotic, yeah, it's like but it's like it's little. where yeah. you know I, you feel like 30, 40 years from now where it would put Siri. Right. These robots would be this, and right. and I think that those robots work to how they look. Yeah. Like, what do you think about how they look? I think they're they're really weird. Like you, you most robots in movies are humanoid. Yeah, and these ones being like just square, rectangular, utilitarian things, but for them to be able to get so much emotion and like movement out of them is really interesting. Like when he turns into the cartwheel, or when they like, the when witches. they gallop out of the out of the the explosion in uh, Doctor Man's planet, mm-hmm. and he's like just galloping like a horse out of it. It looks ridiculous, but it's awesome. But it's crazy. You're yeah, like and, that like, makes sense. Yeah, like, and it's like too. Uh, some people have complained about like why would you just make like this like soldier because they're soldiers essentially. Right. Yeah, they're decommissioned uh, soldiers, and they're like, why would you make a soldier a wall? And I'm like. Think about what you just said right there. Like, that's exactly why. Because they're just a big wall. Right. And now they can... I, the first time he turns into, like, that kind of asterisk. Yeah. And, like, like swings right over to, like, pick up um, mm-hmm. uh, Anne Hathacorn. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. And, like, the music's rising. And you're just like, oh, shit, they can do that, right, too. Right, right. And, and they, the robots do more things throughout the, mm-hmm. throughout right, the At the end, like, he's using, like, the handle to, like, be able to, like, right. get the, the spinning the, when thing. They dock. And you're just yeah. like, God, this is great. Yeah. yeah, I really do like the I really do like the robots. Uh, but getting back to the so Murphy, they get into the the tesseract. Yeah, and they realize that it's uh, it's completely based around Murph's, uh, bedroom. Murph's bedroom. Yep. Was that's the space that it's um, that he's confined to? That it's confined to. It never leaves there, but it's Murph's entire life as yes. well so it's like she's coming in and going out and he can communicate with her and i think i don't think it's so much murph i think it's like the love that him and murph had as father and son was so uh important in that house that it created this kind of easy rift to be able for the people for the for the they in the oh, future to direct to towards and go like oh this is that's the where thing. it is yeah and these two people love and trust each other so much that even when they're not in the same time in the same space, they would figure out a way to be able to communicate with one another and they would trust their own judgments right. about it. Because when she makes that leap where she's like, you were my ghost. Right. Like she's just – she's not questioning it or right. create – like a scientist is not creating like a hypothesis or a theory about it. She's yeah, like – test it. She's yeah. like, oh, Let's bring a Matthew McConaughey mommy. is yeah. my dad right. and he's my ghost. Right. So I think that that's – you know, that's the idea that Anne Hathcorn is getting at in – I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Do like it. we're, we're drinking corn and corn. So mm, we're we're good. Okay. And we're telling corny jokes. Yeah. So we can we've committed enough. story scorn story scorn presents acorn. yeah but yeah I think that's the that's what they're getting at with the whole love thing and I think that it is very sentimental and I think that it definitely worked with me more this time mm. but again it's one of those things where it's just like John John and Chris Nolan write movies that Chris Nolan can direct you know it's like that's all they do like. Have you ever seen Insomnia? That's the one with Al Pacino, right? Al Pacino. I saw that a couple years ago. Yeah. So I don't have like the most recollection of it. That's the one. I think that's the outlier where that's the only one where it's based on a script that neither of them touched. That felt more like Coen Brothers-y. And that is like a detective in a Detective. Town. In, it's like a weird like 
It's a very odd, you know, it, the movie with Michael Fassbender just came out, The Snowman. I didn't see, I didn't see it, but have you seen trailers for it? No. That reminds me very much of Insomnia, okay. where it's like, it was like, and it was also like that turn where like uh, teen heartthrob Robin Williams was going into that dark stuff, you know, may, mm. may he rest in peace. Mm. Absolutely. My boy. Um, but Al Pacino is like hunting down Robin Williams in Alaska and he's got insomnia uh, and he goes to killed somebody what was that kept him up at night uh he accidentally shot somebody on a job right it was misty it was cold out and he shot somebody but it's in his head like did he shoot him on purpose right because the guy was gonna rat on him essentially because mm-hmm. he's doing fucked up shit and the idea was like did i know that it was him or was i so tired that i didn't realize it blah 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 and now he can't sleep at all and because they're in a place where it's like it's only dark for like three hours yeah right his time schedule is all fucked up and like there's a great joke where um actual teen heartthrob hillary swank is talking to him and they're like he's like i want to get some coffee and they're like it's 10 a.m and he's like perfect and they're like at night (laughs) and it's like bright out and he's just like al pacino's just all fucked up but again like that's it to get to the back to that point it's like that's one of the only movies i i can think of the christopher nolan didn't touch the script or that his brother didn't touch it, you know? So I, they're always writing these movies that Chris Nolan understands how to control. And I think the scripts are kind of worded in a way where they understand, you know, they can translate it to the screen. Right. And they can translate it through editing. Well, that clearly makes him feel good in that I listened to a couple interviews or watched a couple extras making ofs of this, and they talked about making the Tesseract set, which is a physical set, which I was really surprised. I thought it was all digital. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. They, like, they built, like, the cabinet, and then they extruded the bottom of the cabinet to, like, so so it traveled down the rest of the, like, the area of that set, so, like, droopy cabinet. Um Wow. And they had Matthew McCorney, uh on harnesses flying through that. And I'm sure they did digital stuff after it. But like, they, oh, of course. Physical, yeah, I don't, I don't think right. they, yeah. But I mean, they, as much as they did, they had projectors they that, on yeah. it. Yeah. But well, like. And that's, they had like a scientist or something. Uh, yeah, that was one Paul of the Keen? stories. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but he was the one that did like the black hole stuff. The black stuff hole stuff. It. And yeah. he was able to talk with CGI animators on yeah. like, hey, this is how it might look. And they just right. like kind of threw it up there. And they're like, is that actually supposed to look like that? And they're like. Uh, we just found out, so yeah, and uh, I'm super famous, so right. hello. Yeah. Though, though that black hole does look that is cool, amazing. I mean, just technically, it's a great movie in terms of uh, effects and everything as well. I think calling Interstellar a great movie is not a stretch. It kind of, again, it depends on tastes, right? And there's no accounting for those, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, movie me is like, yeah, it's pretty good, uh, but film me is kind of like this movie doesn't really do anything special. Or original. Sure. It just kind of presents these things in a way. Maybe the most original thing that it does is it presents, you know, like this kind of this uh, cinematic black hole. Right. In a way that we really haven't seen before. But again, that's essentially not to diminish any of its value. That's an overglorified cartoon. Right. And not to diminish the value of cartoons. It's just like, that's just what it is. And, you know, where 2001 A Space Odyssey took all of these risks and True. reached all these new grounds and... And revolutionize the very medium of the art form that it was being a part of. This movie is just kind of like, it's Christopher Nolan's next movie is in space. Go see it. Should we talk about 2001 now? 
I'd love to talk about 2001, but this is actually probably the perfect time to take a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, we'll break into some 2001. I also want to talk a little bit about Star Trek as well, because this is uh, a little bit of the philosophy of love and humanism. Okay. But we'll talk about it when we get back. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Overdrinkers. It's so good, isn't it? It's amazing. You should head on over to iTunes, rate and subscribe. Uh, anyway, wanted to pop in here real quick to let you know that if you haven't been listening to the Batarang series, you should definitely go over there. Uh, myself, Robert Anderson, and Jack Kalajewski are uh, going through all the Batman movies. We just recently did The Dark Knight Rises, Chris Nolan's final foray into... The Legend of the Cape Crusader, and um, we all got very, very silly on it. It's a hilarious listen, so if you guys haven't checked out any of Batarang, um, definitely don't do that one first, because uh, the other ones are really good and informative, but the Dark Knight Rises one, I guess it's okay. It's very good. It's a very good episode. You should go listen to it right now, or after you're done listening to this episode. That's how you sell stuff right there. All right, guys. Enjoy uh, listening to me and Tim talk about Interstellar just a little bit longer. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, so we're just going to jump right back into it. We were about to finally get to some like good meats about other movies that this uh, Interstellar kind of... Um, uh, what's the polite way to say it? Rips off? <laughs> uh, totally steals? Translates? Translate? Sure. Yeah. Uh, filters, uh, filters the big one. Stuff big out. one is 2001 Space Odyssey. You know, the, the, again, like I've said before in the podcast, it's people call call it, you know, the dumb. The, it's yeah, dumbing Space down. Space Odyssey for dummies. It's Space Odyssey for dummies. I don't agree with that. I think that it's its own thing, but I do think that they kind of, you know, this is... He's hearkening Kubrick there's, in this a lot, to it. right? Yeah. And so, like, what what do you what do you think about 2001: Space Odyssey and like how it connects with this? Well, so yeah, I'm kind of a philistine in that I saw Space Odyssey and it was too it was too much, you know? Like it was just it was a lot. It's very it's a very slow movie, um, but you know I do have a certain amount of respect for it in that what you pointed out that it's a very um, ahead of its time movie did a lot of things first uh i mean i didn't know that it until recently that i read that it was made before the moon landing even happened so that's pretty incredible to think that yeah it's like uh they he stanley kubrick was a what was this the idea is that uh he they came up with technology that didn't exist that they would need to make space travel possible and he worked together with NASA to be able to make it look believable. And as NASA was working on it with them, they actually invented versions Some of the of technology mm-hmm. that they were working on. If my memory serves me correct or whatever rumor I heard was true. But I, something like that happened. And then there's also – that's the whole idea behind the moon landing being fake, which oh, they hearken into in them. this too, yeah. that Kubrick – like made a deal with them. Yeah, he said, NASA, help me out with my movie. I'll help you out And with I'll moon make landing. a convincing yeah. moon landing, um, which they do in, in Interstellar. Right, because they talk about that. Yeah, yeah. The history books have been rewritten that the moon landing was all faked right. to um, 
make Russia run out of money, like in the right. In the, and that in the was race. an interesting point that they brought up because you couldn't tell from what the teacher said who was running the U.S. at that point, right? Because that's a very cynical, like liberal point of view that the yes. moon landing was done for to bankrupt Russia as a propaganda tool. Mm-hmm. But you could also like the people who are currently rewriting textbooks to take out science things are like Republican or like super conservative mm-hmm. uh, religious folk that, mm-hmm. uh, that do that. So I thought that was interesting that they just left it enough in there to say whoever the current administration is mm-hmm. not super. It's, it's a thing yeah. where like, you know, unless you're like that small fringe group, that's like, fuck yeah, it's fake. Um, that moment allows you, regardless of your political views, right. to side with McConaughey because right. you go, "That's the a little landing. We did it, egregious." Yeah. Like that's hold on a second here because he's just like, oh, like with yeah. his hands. Oh, Matthew McConaughey, the greatest face? hand actor. Yeah. No, he's got like Nosferatu hands yeah. all the time, oh, and he looks horrible in this movie. <laughs> you think? What is going on with him in this? Whoa, he looks he like he is made out of Jax Link's beef jerky. Whoa. You know the really red, almost translucent jerky that you can get? It's like, yeah. that's not real meat. Well, hold on. Because, look, this is in the peak of the McConaissance. This is in McConaissance. Yep. Yeah, because it started with, what, Lincoln Lawyer in 2011. Yep. That's like his first one and people are like, oh, Matthew McConaughey's a good actor. It's a really weirdly good movie too. I haven't seen. I just know it's the buzz really around it good. Was that it's it was, crazy. Yeah. It's so stupid how good that movie is. But maybe Dallas Buyers Club was 2013, so maybe he's coming off of Dallas Buyers. That's what Club. it looks like. Where yeah. it's like he's putting back on some of that yeah. weight, and his body is just kind of like, oh man, I don't feel good. He's got that line under his yeah, eye. True. Yeah. And he's just he looks a little fucked from yeah. time to time in this movie I mean one of my favorite things about his performance in this in that between True Detective Interstellar and the Lincoln commercials they could all be the same character well I figured that I mean his character in True Detective is that character in those Lincoln commercials yeah I mean that's essentially it's just like a toned down more like stable right version of that character where he's just like where he's like rolling his like yeah. like the booger right right in between right. his yeah, the, the, the top booger yeah the top booger Jim Carrey right that was Jim Carrey did that when he did the fake he did the fake Lincoln Lawyer okay. thing he's like you know how it feels and you turning a little booger into a ball in between you because <laughs> oh yeah right. he's doing and that the, thing the whole time yeah right um uh, but then, you know, in what well, it brings it to True Detective, too, though, because this Matthew McConaughey is all about time is a flat circle in this movie. Mm-hmm. Time is a very flat circle in this movie. Time is, uh, is a literal flat circle <laughs> yes. in this movie. <laughs> time is a square bedroom in this He movie. became obsessed with, uh, during the McConaissance, Matthew McConaughey was very obsessed with uh, time interpreted, <laughs> right. being interpreted as a flat circle and AIDS. And and cool cars. And cool cars. But not because people said they were cool. He just liked it. He, he just liked it. <laughs> it's not about it, hugging it, trees. It's not about... It's about Man, you. AMC, their web player had that... Had that. Oh, they wouldn't stop. Oh, no, I saw that commercial 20 times every episode. I feel like the Dead. programmer for AMC was just like, fucking love these commercials. <laughs> We got to get these out there. Give the people what they want. <laughs> Lincoln was just, or or it's a Lincoln ad exec who's like, "Look, at, we want this commercial on." And like, are you? I think people will get numb to it after. Like, no, no, fuck just it. keep doing it. He's the Lincoln lawyer. <laughs> Every... Matthew McConaughey is only going to be relevant for only a couple years. We need to get this going. Three times a break, times five per episode. That's fifteen. We need fifteen 
per episode. Mm-hmm. Well, should we record him doing any more? No. No. Three. We have three. He's fine. Yeah. What's what's the last thing Matthew McConaughey? Oh, it was the Dark Tower. That's right. No, yeah, right. You, oh, that was a great episode. Jesus Christ! I can't wait to revisit that one for a year thing. We're we're starting to talk about uh, because we're approaching our one year anniversary mm. with doing podcasts, and we're thinking about uh, revisiting some hot takes that we did. Oh. You know, one year later, right, right. revisit think about Logan. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Uh, I know I'm planning on doing one with Bernadette soon for La La Land. One year out. How how badly or well has la la land aged in a mm. year since the hype um but i think i'd love to revisit the dark tower a year after its release just hearing about that was did you like, see it no i didn't see it i just heard that like i listened to the podcast which was great without watching it but yeah like hearing about the idea of it was like well let's try and make an mcu but for stephen king because the dark tower ties all these things together and let's try and franchise. Like, they tried to franchise build with that, right? I think that they're doing something where they didn't know if it was going to work. I did. And the Dark Tower was the outlier. That was the one that needed to pull it off and didn't. Yeah. I think that they have an idea where um, the new, like, Netflix originals that are coming out, mm. Gerald's Game, 1922, Which uh, the new movies, It. Well, The Mist was was good i like the new mist the new mist which i just added onto my netflix queue i'm yeah, super psyched to bump that into out. that i'm doing that after Mindhunter. i gotta get to Mindhunter. Okay. um and then also uh there's the new show coming out that is literally the pitch of the show is all of stephen king's characters exist in one place and it's called castle rock well that's the name of his production company right yes so i think that's yeah. what's going on there um and you know it's essentially it's like you know like Andy Dufresne is going to show up and <laughs> and, why, and buy, you know, like a, a vacuum cleaner Just from Kathy Bates from Misery. You know, like that's the whole <laughs> point of the of the. And then there's like they, there's probably like a group of like four or five wacky main characters. One of them's a kid. Okay. Running around. I literally know nothing about this show, but I bet you I just nailed it. Just let Andy live on the beach with Morgan. Just let him. Well, no, it's Andy beforehand. It's oh, like when it's he's before. still married. Uh, you see what they're doing. And it's like, I have a feeling that they wanted to connect all of these things. You know, they're. Because it's big, right? Have now. you seen. Um, you saw It? No, I didn't yet. Ugh, I God. know. I know. It's, a, it's fun. Uh, did you see Gerald's Game? Yeah. Phenomenal. Ooh, that degloving it. Love that. it. Mike Flanagan, Whoa. the guy that direct, wrote and directed that, I saw, I started watching his older movies because he made uh-huh. Hush, okay. which is great. Did you watch Hush? No. It's on Netflix. Okay. Home invasion movie, only it's uh, um, the person that lives at the house. Uh, it's a woman, she's alone, and she's uh, deaf and mute. Not like the one with, uh, what was that other one? Uh, Home invasion? No, the... The movie with the guy who was blind, Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe. Yeah. A lot like that, only that took a mute. Weird turn. They kind of came out around the same yeah. time, too. That Don't Breathe t- is a weird movie. That took a very weird That's turn. Like, saw that on a plane. They took the turkey baster out, and the lady looked over just as they took the turkey baster out. And I was like, I didn't know this. Was I'm not. I'm I, so sorry. Wow. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I started looking back at his other stuff, and I watched this movie, Oculus, that he made a couple years ago. Okay. They just dropped on Netflix. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out and you're into like kind of just like psychological horror kind of stuff, like for dumb people, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, not to be mean or anything, like, it's just but like, it's, it's just very simple. approachable. Yeah, it's right, very, right. it's very easily digested. Yeah. And it's, uh, a it's about Netflix a brother and movie. sister fighting against a mirror that possessed their parents to kill each other when they're kids. Mm. And it's awesome. Not like Harry Potter. 
Not like Harry Potter. Uh, there's some Harry Potter in it, though. Um, and then also 1922. That was kind of boring. That's kind of boring, but I really like Tom's Jane in it. Yeah, I mean, he is very menacing the whole time, but yeah. I also felt like you can't just make a movie suspenseful by having a lot of high strings. Like, right. There were you a lot of times said that where, to me, like, too, and before I watched happened, it. And it was just like... Mm. And every time something serious happened, they would do a string, and I'd be like, Tim's fucking right. This is just... Uh... <laughs> well, though, Gerald's game, I want to say, that exposition dump at the, like, three-quarter mark, or, like, right before the resolution, was a little much. Which one? The uh... When she was like, oh, I saw that creepy guy, and then I looked up the creepy guy, and I found... Oh, the that... ending, essentially. The yeah, twist. A yeah. spoiler alert spoiler for alert Gerald's for... game. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um... Well, yeah, and that's – I've got a whole thing. I'm writing an article on Gerald's Game. Okay. Uh, I'm writing an article on the Stephen King renaissance okay. as a whole where right, I'm like kind of kind of pick all these little tiny guys and I'll throw like a couple paragraphs at each of them. And I got something to say about the ending, but I won't spoil it here because I want you to yeah, okay. get those right. clicks. Right, get right. Click. So get your if you're listening to this anytime in uh, December, head on over to storyscreenbeacon.com and you can check out Mike Burge's Stephen King mm-hmm. Article if he ever gets around to finishing it. That's a that's a smooth one. Mm-hmm. That's that's put that in the ad break. Yeah, that's how he gets his uh, <laughs> that's how um, podcast, baby. But uh, yeah, Stephen King. That's a crazy uh, tangent that we just went off on there. How did we get there? Uh, we were on. I think we were talking about Matthew Interstellar at some point. No, no, because we talked about Matthew McConaughey, yep, and then you brought up the, the last Dark thing Tower, you said, the Dark Tower, and the Dark Tower didn't work. It's an absolute bomb. Matthew McConaughey, the McConaissance is over. Yeah. Like that's it's in decline. The Dark Tower is like, that's it. It's but, over. I mean, the Renaissance ended and we still got democracy out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, there could be a revolution. Yeah. Yeah, he could come back. Who's got a name that kind of could go into revolution? And who's out that? for a minute? Who's, who's been down for a bit? Who's been down? Yeah. Uh, we were talking about on Inception that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is fucking due for a comeback. Yeah. He's been he's been hibernating. The Levitt-Lucian? Levitt Lucian. Damn. Yeah, I mean, under pressure, that's not bad. The Revel Levitt. Yeah, the Revel. <laughs> that's a good one. Revel Levitt. Uh, all right, so back to Interstellar. Yep. Um, what else we got? He's got the. We were talking about how shitty he looks. Oh, yeah. Right, right. right. Um, and he was talking to the teacher. Moon landing is faked. Um, yeah, takes her out for a baseball game. Baseball game. Dust cloud, because it's, it's very much, uh, it probably destroyed the soil growing so much corn. Right? Yeah. That's the whole idea behind yeah. that, right? Where it's like I, they've it's kind the of fucked bowl. everything up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what is it? Michael Caine? In Michael Corn. Yeah, his least British role of these movies. Where he's like kind of young in the beginning. Yeah. They just kind of get, they, they, they take like 10 years off. And then they like throw a lot on right. by the end. Yeah. Where they make him look even older than he actually is. Right. He's like, not go gentle. Sorry. Yeah. Rage. Right. Rage. <laughs> yeah. And you guys say rage, rage, rage in these shows. And it is. But I'm going to try and defend it in that. Well, it's it. Michael Caine fucked over the entire human race in that he realized that it was doomed. He figured out the gravity equation and the the solution was shit out of luck. And it's so not going to work. He has kept that secret to himself the entire time. Well, Dr. Mann knew it. Dr. Mann and like knew. And probably the 13th right. scientists that went out there, they were probably well aware. But all the worker bees in NASA, they're just having a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I think... 
that's probably pretty hard on your psyche to know that yeah. you're one of the few people that know this secret. So if he has to attach his entire personality to a poem, like, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, the twist is where, like, that comes out. And then and then Dr. Mann uses it. Yeah, when Dr. Mann says, you're like, all right, I, I know he well, likes the poem. Well, I think that it's really good because it's a connection where it's like, oh, he told him that as well. And where we thought it meant one thing with Michael Korn and it's revealed to mean another to right. him. Then we see Dr. Mann use it and it goes back and beyond the original one where it's like it has this malicious thing. Right. Where it can be used as like a trick, you know, and it's like we thought that Michael Korn was yeah. tricking us, but he's not. Right. Dr. Mann is the one that's like right. he would use something like that as this kind of like get this leverage over well, someone emotionally. They do it in like – all right. So Michael Korn, he – he – Kills the entire, or not to kill, but he knows the entire human race is doomed, but he sends these people out to extend the human race as a concept mm -hmm. by the embryos hatching. Yeah. That's the plan. Right. Whereas uh, Matt Damon uses that same logic, but shrinks it way down to one person and says, I'm going to kill Matthew McConaughey mm -hmm. so that the human race can go on. So they right. sort of echo each other. Very in that much, way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, the, there's the whole idea that you look at where it's like, um, oh, the, uh, the, the, the first planet is um, man the versus planet. nature. Okay. The first planet that they're on uh, with the, the wave. water yeah. wave. And then it's man versus man. Where it's like they get to this planet and it's completely, they have that conversation and then, and his about. his name is man. Man, yeah. exactly. Right. And it's like, uh, it's the, it's a little stupid, I know. But it's uh, the the uh, don't they have a conversation about evil at some point? Like evil as like a as an like nature isn't evil. Like the planet planet's not trying to kill us like for some kind of evil malicious way. People are evil. Like that's why they have some kind. Well, they of, have a lot of dialogue about like altruism and what trust, familial yeah. bonds do as mm -hmm. a way to to motivate mankind. Right. Um, I mean, and that's the whole point behind uh like with uh michael corn's whole uh lying about everything it's because right. if we told everybody the truth right well first off we probably never would have been able to build this ship that can do this yeah, actual plan in yeah. the first place and now that we have done that we we're not just going to say it's all fake because like there are children on this planet there yeah. are people that need hope regardless of how ridiculously right. fake the hope is and there's that line he says where you're like, there's another look at there's another bracket that they're putting in that could have been a bullet. Right. You yeah. know, something like that. Yeah, and something it's like, like all these rivets could have been. We've brought everyone yeah. together. And yeah. at the end of the day, you know, he didn't know that this was going to happen, but at the end of the day, his lying stages the easy transition right, because of Because they have what, the ship already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've got the ship. They've got uh, everybody's expecting that this is what's going to happen, and then just nobody ever finds out that the entire thing yeah. was built on a lie that just happened to work. Yeah, because Matthew McConaughey learned how to play a space piano. Right. Yeah. Behind a bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Michael Korn's role in this really hits me on like a very uh, existential level because as someone who has a lot of anxiety about the future, I read enough articles and listen to enough podcasts about like you know science and things and. It's a grim outlook sometimes, and I always wonder the motivations of governments in that, like, either people in power know exactly 
the odds and know how bad it looks and they're they're doing the thing that michael corn's doing and saying like it's it's like look at guys just build your spaceship it'll be fine we got a plan it'll work out and they're just letting us you know run out the clock or they have no idea the risks and they really think that it's not that bad and that we'll be able to fix it with human ingenuity like we always have right and those two things whether it's they know everything about it and they just know it's fucked or they don't realize it and they're they're playing a very dangerous game. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one is scarier. And right. I think Michael Korn speaks to that very much so and that he is that the embodiment of, look, I'm just running out the clock, but if everyone knew that the clock was running out, then it would be really bad. Right. And he, like, again, like you say, he's uh, he says, like, uh, I'm a physicist. I'm not afraid of death. Yeah. I'm afraid of time. Yeah. And it's like time is a thing. And if we if we realize how little of it we have left, we will eat. They will eat each other. You know, it's that idea where it's like and again, it's like Christopher Nolan doesn't really seem to have that much faith in humans at the beginning, uh, in people, in mankind at the beginning of his stories. Right. uh, And shows like how kind of despicable they can be to each other. And then by the end, kind of like shows like butts. Love. Love, in the end, mm. allows Batman to go to Paris with his girlfriend. And Michael Caine. Hathacorn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Michael Corn is there. Yeah, there's a lot of dead wives in this, too. Uh, Imagine McCorn and I his think wife's dead. everybody's wife is dead in this. And yeah, Michael Caine does and, not have And Hathacorn's version of a wife is dead. Is dead. Yeah, just dead spouses across the board. A, a, a man she's in love with. <laughs> that's a, her version of a wife. Yeah, right. yeah that's yeah. it. Um, 2017, baby. I guess that that's worth it. Uh, uh, Edmund? Yeah. Edmunds? How did he die? We don't know, and that's kind of the point. Because it's like a rock slide she... on his... On his ship, but did his ship crash, or did he just have an avalanche? What? I don't know. It's because yeah. uh, he was there for at least yeah ten years. Here. Ten years that we know of. Well, well all right, but so we don't planet, we don't know how that planet resp- would react to outside time passing as well. True, because they, but they do say that it is further away, so it's the one that would have the least amount. Well, so no, we that was one right next to the black hole, so that... Right, where, I'm yeah. saying that the 23 years that yes. pass the first on planet. the first planet, yep. we don't know if that 23 years actually... Um, we don't know if that 23 years actually happens on Edmund's yeah, planet. Yeah, in the same we don't know Because if on it's the just water been planet, that. it's only been like five minutes. Right, well, and that's nothing that really pisses me off about the movie. Uh, there's a beat in that moment... Where they say, uh, they're like, we can't be down here too long. And you're like, they got to go. They got to go. They got to go. And it's all quick. They're down there. They realize it. They're back in the ship. And then they're like, they get hit by the wave. Oh, we can't take off. How long? 45 minutes to an hour. Right. And then Matthew Matthew McConaughey shames the fuck out of Anne Hathacorn. Yeah. Hathacorn. Anne excuse me. Gotta drink more. Jesus. Um, shames her for a little bit. And it's literally just like a two-minute conversation. And then all of a sudden, another wave's coming. And they're like, yeah. how lo- How much longer till the engines can start? Minute, two minutes. It all of a sudden goes from 45 minutes to an hour to minute, two minutes. Well, weren't they letting them... They were letting them go out naturally, and then Matthew McCornahay uses ace pilot skills to blow the engines I out. I see. Okay, yeah, that's what's going on. I think so, so. But then how long are they down on the planet? Well, I mean, come on now. Yeah, like they play fast and loose with relativity. They use it 
for story purposes, and then when they don't, when like it's not it looks like they, it they felt kinda... like in real time they were on that planet for what probably was ten minutes, and that's being nice. Yeah, that is being nice. That's yeah. being nice. They're probably on that planet for ten minutes of like real time of like watching the movie. Yeah, the idea of like flying down and landing and flying back up yeah. and getting to the ship. I would say there's no way that took longer than an hour. Yeah. Yeah, because but you, they're told to have been down there for three hours because twenty three years passes, seven years plus a little bit of time happen every hour. Well, no, so they could have been just the 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 things that you'd have to do as a space crew landing on a foreign planet just to land, drop, secure your. So all we that, just don't see all, that all the boring check the boxes stuff okay. that you do on a NASA mission. I guess whatever. that all right. That kind of loosens it up. Then I didn't yeah. realize too the the idea that. It was 45 minutes to an hour till we can leave. And it's like, there's still one to two minutes. You can't. I was like, where did that hour go? Right. What are you talking about? So, all right. I guess that makes sense that maybe the lo- the length of time was more in the getting there and getting back than yeah. actually being there. I mean, the ships, like, I, from, as a, like, low, like, not that, like, knowledgeable space nerd... The ranger ships don't make a lot of sense that they have them because you use like a multi-stage booster to get out of Earth's orbit, which mm-hmm. one it's in Iowa or whatever, not in like Texas because like it's not on the equator wherever they're launching from, which is like and you want to be close to the equator. Mm-hmm. But all right, so you got a multi-stage rocket that busts you out of Earth's atmosphere. But then you have these ships, the ranger ships that are able to make landings through atmosphere and then also lift off, escape the gravity of these other planets, and get back to the main spaceship. So, like, those ranger ships are incredibly powerful compared to, why would they need a multi-stage rocket to get out of Earth's orbit? You've got a point. It's a very... <laughs> it's a niche point. It's a very nerdy yeah. point that's not going to make you any friends at the party. No, it's not going to. But that is a point that would... That would aggravate me yeah. if I realized that and was someone who like really <laughs> was passionate about that. I'd be like, this is bullshit. Yeah. These fucking, these rangers, like, what are you talking about? Uh, well, that's like, uh, I, uh, that, that's a good segue into Star Trek. Because mm. you were talking about that and that reminded me of, um, you know, like the shuttlecrafts. The shuttles that they have in Star Trek are like notorious for like, how powerful are these things? Because the shuttles detach from a starship and go down to planets of different atmospheres and are able yeah. to launch back up from them yeah. and are able to kind of like fly around almost like, you know, land speeders when they're there, but also can just fly through space. There's a really weird... Right. Because we had a hell of a time figuring out planes. Right. You know? And this is just like, this thing can literally fly anywhere. Right. And I'm like, I don't think that that's how engines work. Like, you can't... <laughs> A thing that can fly in space is going to have a completely different right, you got thing going on, like yeah. when there's like air and like everything else around it. Uh, but that's again the thing that I want to mention about Star Trek, and it's not too much, but I just want to make sure, sure I mentioned it before we start wrapping up because I had mentioned that I would mention it. Um, is like um, the humanist, the humanism of Star Trek, and saying that in the distant future. Mankind will have evolved to a point where we learn to better ourselves, and you know we don't have any money anymore. Greed isn't our our main source of like why we do things for the accumulation of money. We we do things to better ourselves and to better each other, mm. and you know we're explorers now, just like we always were. And 
We get to reach out and go out there. And that's kind of what Interstellar is getting at in this a little bit with the idea of like, you can take this person who's Matthew McConaughey's character where he has, uh, you know, pretty much been taken. Everything's been taken from him by the end of the movie. Right. You know, he's lost his children. You know, his, his, his son has like turned into a make America great again. Asshole. Yeah, he is a where he's just like, it's not real. Get and it's your like, doctor out your of here. child is dead yeah. and your wife and your other kid are about to die. And like, you suck. Yeah. And he's just like, get off my, my property yeah. and my corn. And I'm a punch Topher Grace. Yeah. Also surprise cameo Topher Grace. Topher Grace is popping on in yeah. there. Topher Grace gets to say I was in a Christopher Nolan movie for the rest of his life. That's nice. Good for him, mm-hmm. right? Cheers. Well, so does Casey Affleck. Yeah. But this was in the phase too, where Casey Affleck started uh, when he was on the other. chipping away at like major directors that he wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually just saw a Ghost Story, uh, David Lowry's new one, with Casey Affleck. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It's great. Another Astros movie now, though. Really, really good. Well, yeah. I mean, Casey Affleck is an absolute slime ball. But I, I, Casey Affleck is one of the few that has a chance here, not to completely 100% redeem, because that is nowhere near my to, place to to pay some sort of penance. That. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, because he won, be- he won Best Actor. Mm. So next year, he he announces the winner and hands the statue to the Best Actress. That's the way Best Actor, Best Actress works. Mm. The previous winner so of the opposite gender, he his, can say, yeah. I don't think that i'm the one that should do this i'm an accused harasser and abuser of women i should not be the one giving some giving a woman who has tried so hard who is considered the best female actor of that year i should not be the one that is announcing her name and handing her an award it is not right i know it's tradition but and if he does that good for him right does it excuse what he's done absolutely not but you know like uh, there has to be a way to be able to move on from it for everybody. And I think that that is at the very least a good start. And he's one of the few, he's one of these few harassers where he's got this opportunity in front of him. That's a very big statement. And it does, again, it, and I want to be very clear on it, that it does not, it does not excuse or redeem anything, but it can start to heal some wounds uh, for himself more than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, whether or not that's important is completely yeah. is up to your taste and the, what you think the ball is in the air exactly you could, could hit the but i don't i don't think he'll fucking yeah, do yeah. it i don't think he'll do it i think he's gonna be a slime ball about it we'll see but uh yeah so casey affleck is super slime ball in this movie yeah um well i mean matthew mccornahay likes murph more than oh corncy affleck we were saying that yeah corncy affleck Shit. Yeah. fuck i mean he likes murph more than him mm-hmm. because murph is murph's his probably his wife surrogate like you know like his it probably sees his wife in murph and, yep you know and she's a smart one yep and he's a smart guy so you know casey you'll do all right corn say you'll do all right what does murph say uh of her dad she's like he liked farming <laughs> yeah right and he got but mad he like he he told him i like farming i like farming um which is like one of the first lines of the movie too right yeah well they start with that that they start documentary, with the documentary sort of thing. where they completely hide um, Ellen Burstcorn underneath all that makeup. Are you familiar with uh, Ellen Bernstein? Oh, the actress she, that plays Murph? The old Murph. That plays old Murph, yeah. Yeah, super old Murph. Super old yeah. Murph. Um, she's, uh, they put her under like some makeup, I think, uh, because Ellen Bernstein's old, but I don't think she's that old. Uh-huh. But they put her under some makeup to really kind of make her blend in 
with all these other just like random old films yeah. where they're just like talking about the dust bowl. I remember the dust bowl, yeah. the Great Depression, and the FDR. Right, basically, yeah. You know, and none of them are mentioning like. You know, it was only after um, uh, President Trump right. uh, back in 2017 uh, completely destroyed the whole world that we all realized, like, now we're going to all have to just eat fucking corn. Okra. And okra until that runs out. Nobody mentions that. No. All these movies that take place in realistic near future that were made in the past 20 years yeah that, that take place more. in like 2020 and it's like, like nobody oh. oh no there was a big thing that happened there for four <laughs> years that you need to address i see the missing link yeah it's <laughs> evident now yeah um. mm. but uh yeah it's um the idea that matthew mcconaughey gets everything taken away from him get uh his his son's an asshole and uh his his daughter has essentially disowned him right doesn't she's believe in him she's fucking mad time. and she gets even madder yeah when she's when she thinks that maybe he lied to her and yeah. this has all been a lie like he she's wearing his jacket yeah you know when she's an adult like this is a thing um she's 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 keeping this and then like that's the whole thing that makes it so that the watch is such a big deal it's like right. she'll take it how do you know because I gave it to right. her. And again, like that brings me back to the idea of love that these capital T, these, yeah. uh, those, aliens, these, they's, the us, the, us, the, us, maybe, the capital maybe. U's, yeah. uh, would f- find that moment to be a defining moment, to find that space to be a defining space, to be able to transcend space time with this because of the love that these two have for each other. And the watch is kind of like this artifact of like the last moment they ever had together. It's pretty much an even moment because it's it's a watch. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's good. I also like the idea of uh, the communication of like the highest knowledge that you can possibly have to the past would go through a bookshelf. Right, and Morse code. Hey, now. Oh, bookshelf, yeah. Oh, bookshelf. Like, it used to be all the knowledge that we could get to learn about our past. It was all Mm -hmm. in books. And now the knowledge that we get to learn how to save our future comes from a bookshelf. Right. Like, can't be a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, it's and not then, like it would have been funny if it was like the plates. Right. The plates, <laughs> and he's just like, ah, I gotta push these fucking plates <laughs> off here and just make a mess. And then, you know, even when he comes back, Murph's forgiven him, but at the same time, that relationship is over. Yeah. When he sees her in the hospital bed, she's like, I love you, but you're kind of not my dad anymore. You don't need to be here. Right. I have my family right. now, and you've got your entire life still ahead yeah. of you. Like, I think, is, is is he, like, only supposed to be, like, in his late 30s in this or something? Like, yeah, because I think to be he young. starts at, like, 35 or so. I think so. he's supposed to, like, Matthew McConaughey is actually older, but they're saying, like, you look older in this because, like, the world's all yeah, fucked sense, up. Yeah. So, like, you're not aging gracefully. Right. But he's only supposed to be, like, in his late 30s, so... Yeah. Because 23 it, years goes by, Murph's got to be 12. 12, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. She's like 30. Well, yeah, yeah. We're, we're saying he can't be any further than 35, yeah. which is a stretch yeah. for Matthew McConaughey in 2014. <laughs> Especially post-Dallas Buyers. But, hey, it's hard sci-fi. Yeah. You got to buy it. Um, but, yeah, the idea, he gets everything taken away, and uh, he, he's not going to get back, and uh, everybody on Earth sads. is probably going to die. What's that? He's got some great sads in this movie, too. Sads? Yeah. There's a lot of sads. He's got some great, some, when when he first gets that dump after they lose the 23 years, <laughs> and he's just crying in that seat. Oh. The thing that they used when uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens trailer dropped. Did you ever see that? No. When the Star Wars The Force Awakens trailer first dropped, and everybody was like freaking out about it. 
they made this super oh, cut oh, with, of with Matthew him. McConaughey oh. reacting to yeah, watching yeah. it where you're just like smiling and like crying and just super happy. Um, yeah, it gets everything taken away from him. And at the end of the day, realizes that, you know, he can sacrifice everything uh, to even attempt to make a difference or get to see his daughter again, right? essentially. And I mean, that's more or less what I was going at with the Star Trek analogy of humanism and looking deep inside ourselves. And like, you know, the, in Star Trek, the, the way that we got to that is because... Um, uh, well, in the 90s, we went through a eugenics war and we created uh, super beings that pretty much took over and we fought back against them because they were a bunch of assholes. We launched them out into space. Hello, Wrath of Khan. Uh, and then we still kept fighting with each other and then we ended up nuking each other in World War Three. Everybody fucking died. Uh, there was a big post-apocalyptic thing and everybody was just fucking trying to kill each other and eat each other and things were going crazy. And then a young man named Zephyrin Cochran uh, developed time warp capabilities, tested it, Vulcan saw it, came down. They were like, hey, you guys can do time warp stuff. That's really cool. We're aliens. And there's like a whole bunch of us out there. And that made the Earth that had just gone through all of this crazy shit where we had everything that was known to us taken away. We realized, oh, we're not alone in the universe. In the galaxy, we're we have all of these other places that we can go, all of these other things that we can do. But this time, we're going to do them right. And they help create the Federation, and the Federation is the thing that allows all of this peace to happen in the universe. And part of Star Trek's whole show is that that faith is tested constantly, especially in Deep Space Nine, which is probably the best one in the series. Um, but it's the idea that once you get everything taken away. You, you can get to see who you really are, you know, like, uh, let's, I think that's like close to another Joker line, right? Like it, something like that. Like, uh, I haven't watched that one in a while. I don't know. When you watch somebody die, you see who they really are. Something oh, like that okay. kind of yeah, thing. But it's kind of like that. Um, anyway, like, he, he, right. And he gets all that. He gets all the, uh, he gets everything taken away and he realizes like, I can sacrifice myself. I can sacrifice my robot friend. For this folly thing, and hopefully Anne Hathacorn can get to this planet, but it's not a guarantee at all, so bye! And right. he falls it. away. That's a great shot, too. I love that shot. Oh, and yeah. You see him between the between Between, the two, and he's uh, just looking at her, and she's yeah. like, peace. Yeah, hits the button. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's good sci-fi. It's good drama. Yeah. I like the love... I like the... The story of love. There really isn't a love story. Right. I mean, they kind of hint like maybe him and Han Hathacorn will do something I guess. to that planet, I guess. I didn't really get that. And then uh, somebody brought it up to me and I was like, oh, like that's why you think he went back? I was like, yeah, he loves her. I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think he I loves get her. That. I just think yeah, like, like they have a he shared just, He just experience. like wants to fuck. Like <laughs> he doesn't love her. Like. <laughs> gotta repopulate the earth as uh, John Lithgow. Gotta, uh, he, he's got to get over there. Um yeah. I don't, yeah, I think it's more of a, the idea, like, now he's got something else that he can do, um, something else that he can save, something else that he can love, whether or not it's, like, a romantic love specifically for her. And it's still within his time period, because everything else, he's out of time now. Right. And she's, she's the, the one last thing that also, is still yeah, absolutely. His, yeah. Well, he's also got Tars. Yeah, Tars. With him. Tars is with him, and they're, uh, like... And Case went with her, right? Cases with her, yeah. yep. Um, the, uh, like, 
the idea we're not getting a second Interstellar. That's just no, not the way these things why work. Why would you? What, what but, would you even do? But I would love to see uh, Cooper flying around with Tars, trying to find um, uh, what's her name, Doctor Brant. Brant. Yeah, Brant. Yeah. Uh, trying to find Brant hanging out with Case, and it's yeah. like this human out of time with this robot trying to find this other human out of time with this robot. I, I'd be interested in it on, on, a, on a basic on level. A character level, yeah. I'm like, nothing about a sequel besides the fact that it would exist upsets me or concerns me. I think that what they could do would be fun and enjoyable and I'd like to see it and I'd buy a ticket. But I don't want it. Yeah. And man. even if they said that they wanted to do it, I'd be like, meh. You don't need to do that. Like once they actually made it and it's in theaters, I'm going to go see it, but I would fight it every step of the <laughs> yeah. way. Like, you don't <laughs> like, need to, guys. Like, a... look, I get it. Like, you got me. I'm going, but like it, it's not yeah, too nah, late. You it can was, still it was just pretty tied up. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh... that's it's not the point of him going to get there. It's just more I'm I'm I would be I think that the uh, the destination would be stupid in a movie like that, but I'd love to see the trip. Right. I'd it, love to the see the characters are good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um but yeah, maybe one day. I mean, maybe somebody will remake yeah. two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, and it'll also it'll also act as like a kind of sequ- a meta sequel to Interstellar. Yeah, and they come. It'll come the... time flat full circle. Flat <laughs> flat full. Circle. Uh, let's see. What else do I have for this? Um, yeah. What else you got? We're yeah we're getting pretty close. We can. Uh, I think we've talked about pretty much all the actors. You got Hans Zimmer's music is great. It's fantastic. The yep. organ. Bum, 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 yeah. bum, bum, bum. Yep. Uh, uh, I mean, some of the shots, like you can't have Dunkirk without Interstellar. Very true. And that's one of the things, uh, watching this second time after having seen Dunkirk, which is one of my favorite Chris Nolan movies currently standing. Uh, there's a lot of Interstellar in there. Yeah. A lot, especially Those, put, with... Put the camera right on the wing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, especially with that. Um, but that was my favorite part of Dunkirk was the plane, plane segment. That's everybody's favorite part. Yeah, that's great. I, I, although I am a huge fan of the... Uh, uh, no spoilers for Dunkirk. Uh, the boat gun hole scene. Yes. The okay. bullet holes in yeah, the boat. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of that. I think that how that's shot and how it starts to turn and where the story goes itself and how that leads into other things was uh, one of the most riveting parts of that movie that I was like, my, my eyes were not blinking at all. I was, I was fixed. Claustrophobic in that yeah. boat. Yeah. And just, which is pretty much just what everything in the plane part is. Like it's all just claustrophobia yeah. and tension and fear and dread. Uh, yeah, uh, but definitely a lot of Interstellar and Dunkirk, totally. Yeah. Um, let's see. Hmm. I think we've uh, rung this. I think we've rung this uh, this gravity towel pretty dry. <laughs> um, space towel. They have those. The space towels. Yeah. Space towels. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I think uh, we we got. Um, Revel Levitt. Yeah, Revel We've got that. That's good. We didn't talk about True Detective Season 2. Oh, True Detective Season 2? Yeah. Oh, that one yeah. is... Uh, you, know, I, you know, I don't know if you would agree or if you've heard. Uh, most people don't like True Detective Season yeah, 2. Yeah, I hear. Yeah. They, don't, they, yeah. don't, uh, they don't like it. Uh, but I actually enjoy it. Underrated. 
Underrated, because you you watched it. I did. It's Chandler-esque. Raymond Chandler. It's all, it's a ready mm-hmm. L.A. detective story. Here we go. Yeah. yeah, there it is. That's it. Uh, and it's I think it's because my uh, undivided passion for noir and having studied it, and I just, like, I'm a sucker for it, just like I'm a sucker for musicals. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are some shitty musicals out there, just like there's some shitty noirs, but it's very hard for me to uh, judge noirs and musicals honestly because, like, they just make me feel so good or make me feel so bad. Uh, and True Detective Season 2 has this really great Raymond Chandler-esque vibe to it that I don't know if it's on purpose or not. I feel like it kind of has to be, especially with Colin Farrell's main character. Mm. Um, but it's crazy because I've watched it twice. I watched it when it first aired, and then I watched it again afterwards when everybody t- was talking shit about it. I'm like, did I miss something? Like, yeah, I know it wasn't. Gr- it wasn't great. Right. But like, let's 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 the let's let's be honest here. You can't follow the first. Then that's again. It's yeah. the, we were, we were saying it before. It's the true detective uh, scenario where it's like you can't make something that's so fucking perfect and of its time and just executed and crafted just perfectly. And then expect something to just be, you know, this guy wrote that stuff, regardless of whether or not he stole certain things from here or there. He wrote this shit for like seven years. And then he had to do season two. And you're on a schedule And now. boom, yeah. go. So, you know, th- and again, I don't think that that's diminishing what it is. I think that people look at that and go, it's easy to dismiss. Yeah. They're looking at it and they go, oh, he got rushed. That's why it sucks. But it still sucks. I'm like, well, no, I, like it doesn't suck. It's just nowhere near as good. And that's as the first. The risk of a season-long anthology show too is that if you have an episode anthology show, you just have a bad episode. Mm-hmm. But a bad season, people judge a lot worse than a bad episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you if people fell in love with the characters and the right. setting, and like you know, even all the people just like behind the scenes, you know, like. Uh, one of the best parts about True Detective is was there was one solid director the whole time. Fairy, uh, Carrie Fukunaga uh, directed every episode. He was not there in season two. Mm. And in season two, I think it was Justin Lin directed a couple episodes, which is really cool. But there wasn't that progressive, like, all eight episodes are from this one unique yeah, vision. Yeah, He didn't have that. And – but I do really – I do really like it, and I can't wait to watch it again. I'm kind of saving. I think I'm going to do it for Christmas, kind of like my own little, little present, personal yeah. present to myself. Like, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm thinking about getting both the seasons on Blu-ray ooh. Uh, and check out all those little nice little features because I recently just finally set up my Blu-ray a couple months ago, and I've been getting Blu-rays from friends as gifts for a very long time, but I've never been able to watch them because I use a projector instead of a TV. My projector is not um, HDMI. Mm compatible with also putting out sound i could never figure out a way to do it and then i finally figured out the right chord i needed so uh, i got it so now i'm like yeah watching those back to the future blu-rays nice. get those special editions on there but uh yeah i'd like to blu-ray special editions and you know, on this episode for, of story screen Present. for the record i mean even if it didn't fit right that's one of the best gunfights since heat in uh the second season yeah yeah it's and it echoes the the first season, the fourth yeah, episode. Right, At the end yeah. of the fourth episode, That's they take the, the a they take happens. a massive yeah. twist and they turn it somewhere. And the first season, you know, it's it's um 
it's progressive base. It's the the story is progressing this way, and then all of a sudden, uh, we flip the script, and these guys go fucking rogue. Right now, you what's find going out to that happen? It's not exactly what the story was. Exactly, yeah. and in the the, the second, second season, season, it's oh, we are gonna jump forward in time after this super fucking wild thing just happened that pretty much ends everything that we've been talking about in a way that we were talking about it. And then you've got Fuck Mountain, which is the best. Yeah, right. I love Fuck Mountain. That wild, wild, crazy party. Fuck Mountain makes you think, or made me consider the the, very idea of what it's like to walk around as a woman in like a man's world. Not, Not in Fuck Mountain, at all times, but just kind of like the desperation and the uh, the the distrust and the fear, panic and paranoia are just like palpable in that scene when she's trying to get out. Uh, she kills to get out. Shoots. Yeah. Oh my god, that's the ah oh god. I love Fuck Mountain. And then <laughs> they go to they go to the hotel. I mean, we're just spoiling uh, yeah, True Detective yeah, season two right now. Like, so. hopefully, you guys turned it off or anything like that. But I, we've got nowhere else to talk <laughs> yeah. about this except hidden at the end of the Interstellar <laughs> episode, <laughs> which nobody likes that movie either. So. No, it's like, so maybe you didn't make it here. Um, but yeah, no, uh, uh, more True Detective season two for another day. I will say too that I think that the MVP of True Detective season two is Taylor Kish. I do love his character. Right, I think that his 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 kind of conflicted, closeted, uh, super mommy issues, yeah. uh, very tragic ending to yeah, like that was surprising. That, that he's, me. he's getting it. He's almost got it. He's gonna make it. He's got yeah. it. No. And whoever his technical advisor was very good in that too. Right. The way he w- walked and moved around mm-hmm. with the gun and everything. That's like some John Wick level. That's, sort you know, of. that's that good yeah. stuff. That's yeah, that, that that's that stuff. sweet stuff yeah, where they're like, right. you know how people used to hold guns sideways? Well, actually, if you hold it sideways like this, that's the best way to do stuff. Yeah, and right. they're like, oh, hey, they were yeah. right all along. Um, Well, that about wraps it up for yeah, us, I think. Tim, thank you so much, so, so much for bringing me this amazing much better than expected. Moonshine. I I really enjoyed the drink, and I it really lighted my head up a little bit. I think both of our eyes are like a little glazed yeah. over just from one of them. <laughs> We're um, traveling through a tesseract. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much for joining me and talking about Interstellar and uh, helping me to talk about True Detective Season 2 just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's Gotta always appreciated. Um, for all you guys listening, thank you so much. Uh I'm sure we'll try and get Tim on again I'd at some to. point. I think I'm it'd be great. Blast. We should Thank get you on a hot me. take. You come down and uh, we'll uh, we'll go see a brand new movie that none of us have seen. Get on the mics. Hot meet, the other, about it. meet the other boys? Yeah, you got to meet them. They love you. Yeah, they they can't wait to meet you. <laughs> Um, and to all you guys listening, again, thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, remember, you can go to storyscreenbeacon.com, read a bunch of articles, reviews that we've got on there. You can also find all of our podcasts on that website or on SoundCloud, Story Screen Presents. Uh, you can also find it, obviously, on all iTunes or pretty much wherever you're listening to it right now. That's where you can find the rest of them. Uh, we've got over 60 episodes behind this one. And uh, if you're listening to this 23 years in the future, we probably have way stay. more as well. Stay is what I have to say. If it's, stay. If you're 23 years in the future, stay. Don't go. Stay. Don't go, Murph. Don't let them go. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, follow us on Instagram, story underscore beacon story underscore screen underscore beacon uh, on instagram we're always sharing like some fun uh ideas for movies to watch or things to discuss um 
you can find us on those things. Uh, Twitter and Facebook we're still messing around with, but uh, you can follow us on those too, but we haven't really perfected exactly what we're doing. We're going to start doing news soon, oh, and nice. that's what we're going to kind of use our Twitter little feed blurbs. for. Yeah. Little blurbs, uh, news articles and stuff like that, the news-related news that we think would be like fun to share yeah. and kind of open discussion about. So, uh, And again, if you would like to be on Story Screen Presents and you live in the area of Hudson Valley – Get in touch with us. You can email us at storyscreenbeacon at gmail.com and we can get in touch and figure out what show and what movie you might be into doing. Uh, other than that, nothing. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, if you haven't seen Dunkirk, definitely go see Dunkirk. I like Interstellar. You, you can see that. It's, yeah, and the Interstellar. Worth it. I give Interstellar, I give it a 8 out of 10. Yeah, I would give. I'd be that nice to it. I give it an eight out of ten. If you could go back in time and see it in a movie theater, you should do that. Stay. It's definitely, it's definitely worth seeing stay. on the screen. Yeah, stay. Stay. Don't let them go. Don't let them go. Don't let them go, Murph. Okay. Uh, thank you guys again so much. Uh, I've been Mike Burge. I'm Tim Irwin. And we will catch you later. Remember, time is a flat circle. Bye. Bye. I gotta do in the extra. I really want to do my Michael Caine impression because everybody else gets a Michael Caine impression. Oh, you want to do Michael Caine impression? Yeah. Oh yeah, go for it. I have to do Children of Men though because that's the only that's that's the one I could do best. I practice that. Give it to me. See, Theo met Julian. That's chance. They had a baby. Baby died. That's fate. That's it. You just did that from memory. You didn't yeah. even read that. Yeah. I thought you were going to look down, but you just no. like, you locked eyes. No, I was having practice it. Um, Michael Caine. Uh, what's a Michael Caine movie that we haven't done yet? Uh, Alfie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does he say in Alfie? What's a good one in that? Uh, what's, it, what's it all about? Mm. What, That's good. What's, what's, what, what, what's it all about? See, the problem is you guys always started with the prestige and the prestige puts you in a place to fail a Michael Caine impression. Because mm-hmm. when you say the prestige, the prestige. you already get like, hur, hur, the like prestige. yeah, you, which the prestige. Yeah. And prestige. you can't follow that up. Prestige. Yeah. So when you say fail, fail, fail gets you in that Michael Caine mood. Fail, fail, fail. Wait, what are you saying? Theo. Theo. Fear. Theo. 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 Because he has an F, the British F Theo. thing. Yeah. Theo met Julian. Theo, Matt, Julian. That's fight. That's chance. Foo Fighters. (laughs) Right.